0: Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We always talk some hoops. We have some great guests. Alongside Chris Dorchem, I'm Kevin Ingram. It is terrific to have you with us as we uh, finish up the year 2021 and get set to turn the calendar here in a couple of days. Chris, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, man. I, I couldn't wait. To, we took the week off last week for the Christmas holiday, but I couldn't wait to get back on with you to hear about the big trip <laughs>
0: to
1: state number 46.
0: Yes, yeah, state... I
1: hate that the – the title game was was cut out from under you, but sounded like a good trip.
0: It, it really was, Chris. I uh, just got back from Hawaii a couple of days ago. Uh, went out there for the Diamond Head Tournament uh, with Vanderbilt and won the first couple of games and were getting ready to play the uh, championship game on Saturday. In fact, I was even at the arena, had the uh, radio gear set up. We were about two hours out from game time for Vanderbilt and Stanford and it was going to be a really good matchup. But then... Uh, he started to get a few whispers and word came down that uh, Stanford was going to have to uh, pull out due to COVID. And uh, it was it was very disappointing. It felt like uh, he came away a little bit empty, not, not feeling like he kind of had the closure of seeing how the tournament was going to go. But uh, all in all, it was uh, a really good trip for everybody, uh, certainly in black and gold. Very nice win over BYU, which was a projected tournament team. Uh, Vanderbilt got a stop at the end. And Scottie Pippen Jr. scored the last 16 points after he came back from a little bit of foul trouble. Uh, their guard, Alex Barcelo, had two chances to tie it and uh, didn't make either one of them, and Vanderbilt was able to get the ball and get it down court and uh, get to the finish line. But uh, That that was a really good win, and I think that was one that maybe Jerry Stackhouse and the, the coaches looked at and said, okay, this is a win we can really build on because we, we held off a good team at the end and got a nice victory to get to a championship game of a tournament. Uh, as for the rest of the trip, it, it was really fun. Uh, I took my family out there, Amy and Reed, and, uh, we rented a car and and just drove all over Oahu, and I, I gotta say I've been fortunate in my life to go go to a, a lot of places, but I, I think that might have been the prettiest place I've ever been. Um, it was wow. mountains and water and sand and and beautiful blue ocean. It, it was unbelievable. We drove up to the uh, to the North Shore where they have some of the big surfing competitions and saw the big waves. We we came over this hill and I, I said, "What is that down there on that water?" And then you it dawns on you those are waves and uh, i guess they get up to like you know 30 feet or something uh, when when the tide's really up and uh, we drove around the the east end of the island which has a lot of mountains and uh, like big craters where you know volcanoes have been and that sort of thing and it's just like you, you, each, each turn you go around is another photo op it's just it was it was unreal it was such a beautiful place and uh the, the hospitality was great the people were super friendly uh, we had some great meals and uh it was just a really really fun experience i'd Wanted to go to Hawaii for a long time. Uh, I turned fifty, and back in November, and for years I'd had this thought in my mind that when I turned fifty that year, I, I want to go to Hawaii. That that was my goal, and uh, it, it's funny how things work out. It, back in in the summertime, yeah. when when the basketball schedule came out, it's like all right, this, this may turn out just fine. And, and it did. So yeah, I got four more States to go. Uh, Hawaii is the 50th state, but it's the 40 forty sixth state in uh, my journey to try to see them all Saw Pearl Harbor too, which was uh, really special. We went there on Tuesday and that, that was a kind of a, a somber and, and neat experience to, uh, to see that as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a big part of our trip too.
1: That's awesome, man. And, uh, not only did you get to do it on your fiftieth, but somebody else paid for it. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, somebody else paid for part of it anyway. <laughs> How much better does it get? Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I don't know if we're going to be uh, getting new floors in our house uh, in 2022 because I think Daddy spent <laughs> spent most of it uh, on the uh, on some of the things that we did in Hawaii. But it, it was super cool and special. Probably worth it. Yeah. Uh, for you, you got to see a basketball game in the last week that was maybe worthy of something we will see uh, when March rolls around, and that's the uh, the Tennessee-Arizona game. The Vols won 77-73 last Wednesday. First loss for the Wildcats, Tennessee, is 9-2. and John Fulkerson uh, had 24-10 and got to the free throw line. It's one of those games, Chris, and you can tell me better than I can by, by looking at a summary or some highlights. UT didn't shoot especially well, but got 17 turnovers and rebounded well. What stood out about that game?
1: Yeah, you know, I looked at that game. And and by the way, it it, it definitely was a March atmosphere. Kind of scary in in today's world, you know, with the virus uh, in a a new variant out there. But there was almost 21,000 people in the arena. And I heard so many people say, wow, that'll help us in March. Or this feels like a March NCAA tournament game. And it really did. And, yeah, I looked – I studied that box score and studied it and studied it. And, you know, there was a disparity in fouls called, uh, for Arizona had 28 called and, and Tennessee just had 16, but, you know, uh, I guess 12 of those fouls were, were not non-shooting fouls, So it it really wasn't that big a deal. I don't think, but in looking at it, a couple of things stood out, uh, Tennessee really has is one of the top defensive teams in the country. I think number two in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. They were able to shut out uh, Arizona's big three post uh, triumvirate. And in the meantime, uh, John Fulkerson had one of his best games as a ball, and he's been there since Obama was president. Uh, Twenty four and ten. He had kind of a triple double. He also drew thirteen fouls. Wow! So it was crazy. But the biggest thing, Kevin, and this is another F- F- emphasis uh, for Tennessee, it was offensive rebounding. They got 16, which led to 13 second chance points, to just 10 and seven second chance points for Arizona. So, in a close game, you know, guarding, uh, offensive rebounding, those are effort stats. And I think Tennessee is doing those things in tandem as well as about any anybody. Yeah. Now, what they aren't doing well, they're not getting to the free throw line uh, very often. In, in fact, uh, in the 352nd range uh, in the country, uh, and they aren't shooting it very well, less than 70% as a team. So uh, they're going to have to shore those things up, not rely so much on the three, where in their losses, they've shot it poorly. But, yeah, it was so great to, to see that game. I was able to meet, for the first time ever, Bruce Pascoe, uh, our excellent uh, Blue Ribbon contributing editor who covers the Pac-12 for us. He's a consummate professional, and it was great mm-hmm. to finally meet him. He's written for us for a decade. Uh, but he, d- he goes about his job really well. And uh, He was as surprised as everybody. Uh, Tennessee got off to a 16-2 start and, and really just kind of held on from there.
0: Chris, uh, unfortunately, the news has become COVID again, and uh, we've seen cancellations become the story again, disrupting the season. And uh, at last check, there were close to 90 programs that are either paused or had been paused this season. Matt Norlander of CBS done a good job of, of tracking all those things. The last count I saw was 87. Unfortunately, we've lost some really interesting non-conference matchups. we we'll have to keep our fingers crossed we'll be able to uh, see as many conference games as possible with those now getting started. Uh, it seems like the, the next month or so especially is going to be pretty challenging, maybe depending on whether this Omicron variant peaks or the guidelines for returning or changed, like what the NFL has done. I do agree with dialing back the forfeit policy if we, as we've seen a few of the conferences do. That, that does, doesn't really seem fair in this instance, especially with the whole thing so predictable. How do you see this going from here?
1: Wow. Um, I, I look at the CDC's website and, and the new changes they've got to, uh, for, for sitting out after you uh, have tested positive, whether you're asymptomatic, whether you have symptoms and it's confusing. I, I can see where Joe public just do, doesn't understand what to do or how to do it. Uh, so it's, it's almost impossible to say, uh, I have read that the, the Omicron variant uh, it fizzles out as fast as it peaks. So maybe that'll uh, solve things. I'm with you. I agree that the conferences had to figure out a better way than just blanket uh, say, if you, if you can't make it, you lose. You know, So now it's a postponement. Uh, if, if they can't reschedule a game, It'll just be vacated. Right. It'll be a no contract. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which I think is the fair way to yeah. go. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, I've read a couple of stories where people said, well, some writers said, well, we naively expected things to go well. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't naive about it at all. That's why we didn't put schedules in Blue Ribbon. I just feared that this wasn't going over. I'm no expert by any means. Uh, But some crazy stuff has happened. I I wrote down a couple. And by the way, Matt Norlander's list is up to 91 programs paused. Okay. Uh, Wisconsin was supposed supposed to play a home game with Morgan State, but Morgan State had to cancel. Then Wisconsin got a replacement game with George Mason. Then Wisconsin had to cancel. Uh, And one of the craziest things, Alabama, in the first year of their CM Newton Classic, was going to play number 21 Colorado State which had to cancel. So they needed a game and they reached out to Davidson, which is really good. uh, And Davidson wins the thing. So they're a tough team to prepare for in short notice. It's why Rick Barnes of Tennessee has a close scrimmage with Davidson every year, because he learns stuff from, from uh, Bob McKillop Davidson's coach. But yeah, it's, it's made for some weird stuff. Kind of like last year, they called it the wild, wild West, not as bad. But certainly at this point in time, it, it's so unpredictable.
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to for months uh, having a, a normal SEC schedule where you you know, you have the normal crowds and you go on the road and, and see the games and everything. And I, I don't know that that's going to happen uh, here in the next few weeks as uh, we roll into SEC play really full-time in January. I know there's some games this week, so we'll kind of see how it all goes. By the way, coming up uh, shortly, we're going to have Brendan Quinn of The Athletic with us. Uh, wrote a nice piece about Tennessee guard Kennedy Chandler, uh, covers the Big Ten as well, so we'll get his thoughts on both those things uh, coming up shortly. And you know, being out in Hawaii and, and what happened with our tournament a couple hours before the championship game, and I, I think most of the teams probably looked at it and said, well, you know, it's hard to be too mad at Stanford. At least this is how I looked at it. It's hard to be too mad at Stanford because it felt like that could happen to just about anybody uh, that that was out there. Hawaii, uh, they canceled their game. In fact, they canceled a a football bowl game that was supposed to be played on on the Friday. Uh, Hawaii was supposed to play Memphis. That game got canceled too. So you had, uh, I saw quite a few Memphis people just kind of wandering around on on Friday. It's like, well, I don't have any football games, so we might as well uh, enjoy being in, in Hawaii while we can. But yeah, just hopefully, uh, maybe, maybe as you said, and I, I've read the same things, uh, some of the same things you have. Maybe this uh, Omicron variant will be gone as quickly as it got here. So uh, that that would be the best case scenario for everybody. Chris, our guest this week is Brandon Quinn of the Athletic, terrific college basketball writer. Wrote a really nice piece on Tennessee's Kennedy Chandler. Brandon, welcome to our podcast. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me as a uh, longtime Blue Ribbon contributor uh, and uh, someone who had to, or or owes much of his uh, career to, uh, to, to, to Dorch and getting uh, some early blue ribbon clips. This is, uh, this is absolutely my pleasure.
1: Well, dude, I'll tell you, I'm so proud of, of what you've done. Uh, I remember the first conversation that we ever had where you and I were working together on a web project uh, down Mm -hmm. here in Tennessee and, And uh, we were looking for somebody like you and our conversation. I I just knew this guy's a baller, just like me. You know, (laughs) he's eating, he's eating up with it. As they say down here, Mm -hmm. Uh, you come from a, your dad was a coach and, and, uh, and I I loved your writing samples. And I just knew that, that you had this in you and to see you now become You're starting to do some at-large stuff, not just Big Ten. I'm really proud of of you being able to do that. Uh, You've Ah. done some awesome stuff. And I I wanted to ask you first about the Kennedy Chandler story. Mm -hmm. Great job, by the way. Uh, But as I read it, I couldn't help but – and you would appreciate this because you cover golf too, but I couldn't help but think about Tiger Woods and his dad with Kennedy Chandler and and his dad because Tiger's dad used to – rattle his pocket change or open his velcro glove and try to rattle him sure and kennedy's dad has done all that stuff so what did you find out about kennedy and the relationship with his father that you didn't know going in
2: yeah there are some guys um especially freshmen when you are uh, when you're around college basketball long enough you can just tell the difference between um those guys who are swimming in it a little bit or are you know, um, maybe a little ahead of their skis or they lack a certain maturity or, you know, they're one of those guys who say, man, you know, he just got to grow up or he's going to have to do this or he's going to to do that. And and Chandler um, is one of those guys who is just different. Um, he, he brings a certain disposition um, in his approach that is, I think, years ahead of where he actually is Um, a lot of that is you know in him a lot of that is the way he was raised Um, some of it is you know different players embraced early spotlight differently Um, Chandler was a big deal you know as as a high school freshman sophomore and in a city like Memphis and um, you know, he became basically a high major recruit as a sophomore um, and then really kind of exploded into a, you know, that your Dukes, Kansas, Kentucky offers, you know, after, after winning Peach Jam. And guys can kind of go different ways when that happens. And from all, from all accounts, from talking to him personally, from talking to his dad, from talking to Barnes, um, he just kind of has kept that, that tunnel vision that um kind of point guard mindset um I thought one of the most interesting things his dad said was like don't send him a mock draft but do not text <laughs> him hey oh yeah you know uh this outlet or that outlet just dropped this new mock draft check it out like, he doesn't want to see it he doesn't want to just make him it. mad yeah it just it just gets him pissed off because it's a distraction and that's how he views <laughs> it whereas there's other guys they are they they look for that stuff they want it and, and they kind of – they let themselves fall into those traps of of, of seeing those things and, and thinking of themselves in different ways. And, you know, I think this is why Chandler it, – it, when he has the inevitable bad game, Arizona, for example, right, when he has that bad game, he's not someone that you're just saying, all right, you, you know, if he's not making shots, you got to just get him off the court, right, because he's still going to do – thing he doesn't count himself only as a scorer I think he counts himself as a basketball player so um you know if he has a, a a off night like he did against Arizona he'll still get you that steal late in the game that ends up serving as you know one of the biggest plays on, on the night on a night where you know on the box score it was bad um but you know he made the play that mattered when he, when he needed to and that that kind of encapsulates him as a player I think
0: I guess it's Brandon Quinn, uh, as far as the, the here and now in this season, uh, is there a way for college basketball to ease the chaos related to COVID a little bit? With this season, unfortunately, starting to feel a little too much like last season?
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, part of the issue here is, you know, the schedules weren't built to, um, to handle this. Last year, all the schedules were built with the, not possibility, the probability of of cancellations being included in it. So, you know, there were going to be built in weeks later in the season where games could be plugged in and games could be made up. The schedule wasn't built that way. Um, even individual programs with their plans to allow players to go home over the holiday. That's the way to schedule. that's the way that they planned it in September. Sure. And, you know, they were basically kind of locked in on that because, you know, you, you don't just get to snap your fingers two weeks before, holiday break and say, Oh, all of our players are going to stay here now. Like there's certain things that need to be done for that to be the case. So all these players all over the country went home this past week and all these coaches are now you know, <laughs> knocking their heads against their wall. Um, thinking about the possibilities of w- what happens when they get back to campus. And um, if there's any kind of internal outbreak, I mean, obviously the f- first and foremost is get, um, get players vaxxed and boosted. I just got a press release from Purdue saying um you know this is what we're doing all our, our uh our, our our i believe it was department-wide but that obviously includes men's basketball um but is not only vaccinated but the entire team is boosted now and it's it's putting it out there yeah. and saying this is now the expectation for these teams and a lot of it has to be programs holding other programs accountable for for what they're doing if those games are canceled the tennessee memphis situation being a perfect example when like that program that memphis roster was vulnerable to what happened um happening and it, it bit them and so there's gonna have to be um more of that i think in publicizing what each program is doing internally um but in terms of avoiding cancellations you know Right now, it seems like we're in the peak or spike or whatever you want yeah. to call. And, yet, you know, your your hope is that this is as bad as it's going to get. A lot of programs are, are going to have, um, you, know, uh, you know, unfortunately, players contracting this and that um, we're just going to see a rash of these or a wave of these um, in these these upcoming weeks. And then hopefully it drops off and games can be played throughout February and and into March. But who knows? I mean... Any, anyone trying to predict what happens with this stuff is, you know, that's, that's fool's gold there. So um, I don't know the, the you know, the, the possibility though of leagues being determined with imbalanced schedules has to be a concern. You know, I'm up here in Michigan and Michigan got hit with a long pause last year that ended up having ramifications on the big 10 final standings and Illinois fans are still absolutely livid that they didn't get at least a share of, of the big 10 championship last year and if you look at the imbalance schedule you know that's really the root cause because illinois beat michigan head to head so how do you argue that yeah brendan you as you alluded you focused
1: on the michigan schools for the last few years if i would have told you before the season that michigan state is ranked number 10 and yeah. michigan is seven and four and unranked
2: what would you have thought I would have thought Michigan had some very bad injury situations, but (laughs) that's not really the case. You know, um, I did think Michigan, um, I picked them to finish third in the league behind Purdue and, and uh, Illinois. And I, I thought maybe some folks were getting just a little bit carried away with the wealth of talent on the roster, which is hard to argue, right? I mean, there's, There's three or four potential draft picks on this team. There's two potential lottery picks in Caleb Houston and and Musa Diabate. Um, However, this team replaced Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, Mike Smith, who was a starting point guard and fit the system perfectly. Uh, And even a guy like Shaundi Brown, who was one of the best uh, six men in the country last year and did all those little things and was a good defender good rebounder got loose balls you know when in a, when you least expected it, it would bang a team with four threes stuff like that you know um that's a lot it was a lot to replace and and you bring in a, a, a tr- an up transfer point guard where yeah it worked out really well with with mike smith last year but the early stages is like there was some concern if was this guy was really going to be able to do this and replace Xavier Simpson. And over the course of time, he, he got it. Um, it's been a lot of the same with Devontae Jones. You know, I mean, this is a guy who he can do a lot of things and um, and shows, you know, glimpses that, that he can figure it out. But there's been, a, there's been rough patches. So you have that coupled with a roster that's basically two or three upperclassmen the entire rest of the rosters, freshmen and sophomores, that's a hard recipe. That's a hard recipe in November and December specifically. So I I don't think the slow start should be that shocking, but, um, you know, the big question now is whether they get it turned around. And then on Michigan state side, it's the exact opposite. They're old, you know, they're, they have those primary pieces, like a, a a gay Brown and a Malik Hall and uh, a Marcus Bingham, who's just kind of chipped away and gotten better and gotten better and gotten better. And suddenly he's a senior and it's all come together. And he's finding success that for a long time didn't seem that plausible. Um, and even a guy like Joey Hauser, who's had struggles admittedly, um, but he's played a lot of college basketball. And, you know, he the ball moves when he's on the court. He knows what he's doing um, in terms of, you know, just, just making simple passes, which a lot of teams early in the year, uh, our our room was desperate for at times. So, you know that, and then their up transfer worked out. Tyson Walker's been absolutely terrific. He's playing all, all like all defensive team caliber defense at the point guard position. Um, he has a great feel for the game. You know, he's got to cut down on turnovers. He's got to work out some other things, but he's worked out smashingly well for that program. And he's got an extra year. You know, he he transferred from Northeastern after his sophomore year, so he's got to maybe three years because of the the eligibility circumstances.
0: Brandon, before we let you go, kind of a short answer question for you. Assuming we get something resembling a a full conference schedule, what do you feel like the ceiling is for the Big Ten as far as teams in the NCAA tournament?
2: I'd say that kind of standard seven range, uh, seven, eight range. You know, they're they're just always going to get so many teams in. It's it's never – it's never that much of a question. It hasn't been in, in, in recent years. You know, the, the big question is going to be those kind of middle pack teams. Yeah. Um, you know, you go from – you know, your guarantees are Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan. Um, and then after that, you know, who, who does what? Um, is Indiana legit? I mean, right now they are, they're 10-2, but their non-conference schedule is soft in terms of resume um you know a minnesota is 10 and 1 they're in right now but you know how how legitimate is that is this a team that's about to just go we've seen northwestern do this a million times right northwestern is they're eight and two you know these these teams that you know they they come into league schedule feeling really good about themselves at 10 and 2 or whatever and then just get boat raced through january and they blink and suddenly they're on an eight game losing streak and the season's over you know um can a team like Maryland or Rutgers figure things out and, and get back to kind of their preseason expectations. So the league probably is not as strong as people had hoped it would be, um, especially in comparison to last year. Um, but you know, you'll still get seven in the the question as it always is with, with this league is will it ever again produce a national champion because that, uh, that old Tom Izzo 2000 team is, uh, those guys, I see them now, and they're those are old men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Flintstones are looking a little gray these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. I uh, hope we can catch up with you again down the road, and, and congratulations on your success.
2: Oh, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man.
0: That was Brendan Quinn of The Athletic and a longtime Blue Ribbon contributor, a terrific college basketball writer, and you can check out his work at The Athletic website. Chris, uh, I'm going to ask you for a New Year's wish for college basketball. So be thinking about that for a second. But uh, I understand there's a new addition to your family. Is that that what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like we, we needed it, we were already overdogged with two Yorkshire Terriers that sleep with us. But uh, my wife uh, has a dear friend who's a breeder, and she breeds these doodles. So we got a little puppy. I named her. Layla, yeah, yeah, after that Layla, uh, uh, she is uh, Australian Shepherd, uh, Bernie's Mountain Dog, and Poodle. And they say that's just a tremendous combination in terms of loyalty and, and uh, intelligence and, and good health and, and longevity. And she's as cute as a bug's ear, too. I just got to uh, get her to stop chewing on my pajamas and stuff. <laughs> if you, if you've got, if you, if you're wearing anything remotely close to MC hammer bridges, she locks on to a man. Uh, so, uh, I've, I've got to teach her that and, and, uh, you know, uh, teach her not to howl at night, but, uh, she's cool. My kids and grandkids love her and she's going to be great. Although, uh, when the breeder brought her and saw our two dogs, they said, you do know she's going to be a big girl. And I said, how big? And they said, 50 pounds. And I'm like, yikes, (laughs) but that's okay. She's, uh, she's already showing signs of loyalty. As I prepared for this podcast this morning, I was going to roll my chair backwards, but I looked and she's asleep at my feet. Uh, So uh, we're already buds. And, and I look forward to having her around for a long time.
0: Yeah, we have about 50 pounds of dog that was very happy to see us back from Hawaii. I don't think she's gone, gone more than like two feet from any of us since we've been back home. Uh, I, I guess my next question out of this conversation is, uh, how often do you wear MC Hammer pants around the house?
1: <laughs> not often, but sometimes my wife, every Christmas, whether I need it or not, I get a pair of pajama bottoms. And they're like usually ill-fitting, and th- this dog just has a knack for loose cloth uh, or anything. Uh, I've had to put up a bunch. Of, our house looks like a Christmas museum. I've I've had to put up uh, a few things. There, there's this one old Saint Nick that my wife's had forever, and this <laughs> dog just wants after that dude, and I I, I had to put him away, man. So. Uh, but, yeah, not not much on the MC Hammer,
0: bridges. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I guess to, to finish up our final podcast of 2021, uh, you can't touch a, a New Year's wish for uh, college basketball.
1: <laughs> the king of the segue.
0: <laughs> I was trying to figure out some sort of MC Hammer reference. That's all I got. You do that better than anybody <laughs> I've ever worked with. All right. Uh, what, what do you got for a New Year's wish for college basketball?
1: You know what? I just want there to be an NCAA tournament. I want there to be a normal as possible NCAA tournament. I want this Omicron to go bye-bye. Uh, I want conferences to figure it out, uh, whether through testing or masking or, or vaccines. Uh, we, we just can't pretend that this thing doesn't exist. So uh, I'm going to wish it away. Uh, that's my wish. I'm going to wish it away and, and hope that we have, a an NCAA tournament because, you know, it's what guys like you and I live for. And it's what thousands of millions of people live for. And I just want our country to return back to normal. And last year when we got the NCAA tournament, even though it was in one city, that was somewhat a needed return to normalcy. And this year I want that, but I want it to be all over the country like it always has been. So that's my wish.
0: Sounds like a wish. What about you, my friend? It sounds like a wish that'll work for me too. I I think in the more immediate future, I I just want to see a normal SEC schedule. Um, For years, I've wanted to experience it from, uh, you know, the the point of view of the of the broadcaster going around and and going to the different places and and, uh, going and calling the games and. Uh, there are a lot of the, the places that are on Vanderbilt's schedule that I haven't been before that I've, I've really been looking forward to. So uh, I, I'm hoping all this will go away uh, sooner rather than later as well, and we'll have something resembling a normal SEC schedule. But uh, we'll we'll see how it goes here in the uh, coming weeks. Chris, uh, Happy New Year, and uh, always enjoyed doing the podcast with you, and we'll see you in 2022.
1: Happy New Year to you, my friend. Thanks a lot.
0: He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.